Hello, welcome to the Film Pulse podcast, the official podcast of FilmPulse.net. Thank you so much for listening. This is episode number 179. My name is Adam Patterson. With me today, we have Kevin Rakestraw. How are you doing there, Kevin? Doing pretty good. This week, we'll be reviewing Alex Ross Perry's latest, Queen of Earth, as well as the indie comedy, Slow Learners. I feel like every week, we do something and then an indie comedy. Gotta get those indie comedies. Of course, we'll also be going over some of what we've been watching this week's movie predictions, new on video on demand, DVD, and Blu-ray releases. If you're watching us on the live stream, welcome. I'll try to keep an eye on the chat, so feel free to join in on the conversation. Before we jump into our first review, I want to give a quick shout out to our latest Patreon subscriber, Super Goof Media. If you want to help support Film Pulse, please consider heading over to our Patreon page at patreon.com slash filmpulse and show us some love. We have a lot of great things planned, but we can't do it without your help. We appreciate that so very much. Let's go ahead and get right into our first review. We're talking about Queen of Earth. So this is written and directed by Alex Ross Perry, stars Elizabeth Moss, Catherine Waterston, Patrick Fugit, and Kentucker Oddly. Now, Kevin, you're you're the you're the the Perry fan here. You're you're I, the big. I, I, I thought you were a, a big Perry fan as well. Well, I'm a big Perry. I'm a pretty big Perry fan, but I think you're a bigger. I think you're a bigger okay. Perry fan. Making assumptions, huh? I am. Be careful. A little bit. Be careful with those assumptions. So we'll start it with you. We do have a, a review coming out for this next weekend. This this comes out in New York next weekend, and then I think L.A. the following weekend, and then it's going to start a, a nationwide release after that. It's also, it'll be on iTunes Wednesday. Oh, okay. Cool. So you got that, too. Well, there you in go. The comfort, in the comfort of your home. Yeah. Uh, let's Let's get the synopsis going for this before we dive into it. Two women who grew up together discover they have drifted apart when they retreat to a lake house together. Pretty simple. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if that's correct, but sure. I'm not, yeah, I'm not really sure about that, but let's start it with you, Kevin. What did you think of Queen of Earth? For the most part, I enjoyed it. I don't think it's Perry's best work. It is and it isn't, I guess I should say. I think like the actual filmmaking of Queen of Earth might be some of his best, like the actual execution the style, uh, the atmosphere, everything he's going for, but the uh, the script itself, it, it's not his not his best. And it just the performances are, are fantastic. Moss and Waterston are great. Even Fujit is pretty good, which that was a surprise. I wasn't expecting him to be in it this much. Yeah. But uh, unfortunately, I think he just the way of what what the narrative actually is. I think he just tips his hand way too early. And then we spend so much time, like in the middle section of the film, mm-hmm. like trying to draw out, like I guess intrigue or whatever he's trying to do. But you already know what's happening, so it just kind of gets monotonous after a while. And then finally, when it comes to the end, and you have that kind of like quiet revelation of you know what was going on, it just didn't really have the impact that I think he was going for. Yeah, I completely agree with you actually on this. I did like it. I thought that it looked amazing right off the bat that title card pops up queen of earth bam i was like yep i'm mm-hmm. sold yeah I'm, I'm sold here we go i i'm on board let's do this uh, i don't know i don't know how what he used to shoot this if it was like 16 millimeter or something it, it looked 
like older film stock uh but i loved it i loved the look it had this kind of vintage feel to it it looked like uh a 70s style you know throwback thriller yeah i think it is uh 16 millimeter yeah it, it looks... you got uh, sean price williams cinematography to go with it which man that guy can shoot on film yeah i mean it, it, it looks it, great it looks gorgeous most uh the whole film pretty much takes place in this lake house and great location the house was awesome the surrounding environment was awesome i don't necessarily like movies that that go down this road of of someone someone slowly descending into madness i'm not really into that yeah and i, I don't want to say that i dislike all psychological dramas or thrillers but this specific uh narrative that that pops up from time to time not not a huge fan. Well, it's it's kind of for the most part it's played out. Yeah, but I thought that that Perry really handled this in in an entertaining way. But like I like you said, it it does drag a, a bit in the middle. And uh, the people in this movie, every character is so unlikable. Now I know that they're designed to be that way, but they were so abrasive towards one another the whole time mm-hmm. and it, and it was so funny because it was like every single character complete could completely turn on a dime they'll be having a conversation and it'll seem pretty light you know they'll just joking around with each other and then bam like and it, and it even started happening with the character of rich played by patrick fugit like he was just he was okay one second and the next second he's just an awful human being who you hate mm-hmm. yeah and I'm not saying that that's a that's a bad thing. I'm not saying that that's a negative. Of just just an observation I made about yeah. this film, that the kind of shaky psyche of each of these people. It's like I don't know. The whole movie was designed for them to to get to, or for for uh, Elizabeth Moss's character to get to this lake lake house to kind of decompress and relax. But it seemed like everything about it made her even more on edge. Well, that was. I mean, that's, well, because you're trying to think of a way to discuss that without kind of, because how do you not spoil it? Mm. It's kind of. Well, okay. Judging, if you've seen the trailer for this, you kind of know where it's going. You kind of know how it's going to play out a little bit, because they they definitely allude to things in the trailer. Yeah. And like I said, it tips its hand a bit too early when you have Watterson saying, you know, I forget exactly what she says, but, it, you know, it was like, we should switch places. Mm-hmm. Something along those lines. <clears throat> and that's kind of what I'm talking about is you have that. And it's like, oh, okay, so because, you know, we're going from last year and it keeps shifting between last year at the lake house to this year at the lake house. And you see how they kind of switch places and what's happening. Right. So, you know, what's going on. And then that's kind of the issue that I had during those that that dragging middle is like, we, we already know what's happening. What, why are we spending so much time here? Cause I don't think we're really building anything. Mm -hmm. It seems like we're just, we're kind of losing steam instead of building. At least that's the way I saw it. Yeah. And then, like I said, you finally get to the end and you have that little revelation about what, you know, how it ended last year at the lake house. And you're like, well, that's kind of what I thought. (laughs) It just didn't really seem to have the impact that he was going for. And then the whole thing, the the little 
the little bit with uh, Keith Polson, mm-hmm. you know, finding him out on the yeah. just laying out in the yard, passed out. Yeah, yeah, I didn't. That didn't work for me. Uh, yeah. Well, that added to the tension of this movie for me. And the thing about this movie is there's this layer of tension that is ever present. It never leaves you. You know that there's just there's something gonna happen at, and something could happen at any moment. At any moment, she could completely break, and the just the level of tension between all of these characters is is so palpable. Yeah, the whole, the, the whole the, thing. There's that like seething undercurrent of animosity, and with the, the entire, <laughs> entire thing that you just you just know that they quietly hate the shit out of each other. Yeah, yeah, and with the Keith Paulson scene especially and this is in the trailer so it's not a big spoiler she says i could kill you right now no one yeah. would know <laughs> and just at that moment you're like oh boy i well i do it, okay i guess i have, i should say that i do kind of like the way perry plays with that then where she she's all like jovial and mm-hmm. really upbeat and stuff and she has the headband wrapped around her wrist mm-hmm. and, and you don't see Paulson for a while and you're like uh what yeah what the fuck happened <laughs> What happened there? Yeah. So this is definitely, I'd say it's a, somewhat of a departure from his last two movies. It's, this is not a comedy whatsoever. I would consider his last two movies to be comedies. Yeah. And, yeah, and this definitely. is definitely not that. No, there's not a lot of funny bits in there. But I, I will agree with you when I say I don't think it's his best film. Uh, I wouldn't, but, you know, that's kind of a, a tall order at this point, right? Yeah, because I I loved his last two. So, but again, saying it's not his best film, but it's still a good film. Absolutely, yeah, you know? absolutely. The the only other issue that I had as well is the, the beginning. I did love the Keegan DeWitt score. Mm-hmm. She did an amazing score for uh, Listen Up, Philip, and I enjoyed it here because it is old school. And then you have the old school cinematography too, where like the camera is slowly encroaching on everyone's personal space. Like mm-hmm. every single mm-hmm. scene is just slowly coming in. Yeah. And I enjoyed it because, it, you know, DeWitt's score plays pretty much incessantly throughout the entire film. But during that Dragon Middle, it just, it became too much of a forefront where it was just, it started to become irritating. Because like I said, you're, we're, we weren't really building anything there. We we're just kind of losing steam. And then you have... You know, it kind of switches on you where you're like, I really enjoyed this score, but I'm slowly becoming increasingly tired of it mm. as it goes on. Yeah, that didn't, I don't know, that, that didn't really bother me too much. And I think it, the only reason it bothered me, I think, is because I, my, the interest level that I had for what was going on on screen, you know, and the narrative and everything kind of waned. Mm-hmm. So then, you know, everything else kind of started to pop out and maybe became a little bit more critical than I would have been if I, you know, if it would have held my interest. Yeah. Uh, I glossed over it, probably. I want to talk a little bit about the performances. F- fantastic performance from Elizabeth Moss in this. I mean, she always does a great job, but I feel like with this role, she had to bring a lot to it. Uh-huh. And I, th- I think that she completely nailed it. And to the, the put that as the opening oh yeah you know the, you know, the opening scene of yeah. her just really reels you in yeah and i thought that katherine waterston did a great job too and if you remember back when we reviewed uh inherent vice you you really liked her performance in that and i did oh, she not was fan- she was fantastic in that i thought 
See, I, I I wasn't really into her performance in that, but in this, I thought she did a fantastic job. Yeah, she was great. I have a feeling we're going to be seeing a lot of her. I yeah, definitely. And uh, again, like you said, Patrick Fugit. Fugit. Haven't seen him. Haven't seen him in a while. I feel. It's yeah. Where's bit. he been? It's been a little bit. But I thought, yeah, he did a pretty solid job too. Can Tucker oddly in there? Little cameo. Caitlin Shields in there for the the party scene, which was uh, I liked the party scene quite a bit because at first you didn't even know if it was real or not. You're like, wait, wait a minute, what's going on here? Sure, yeah. Which I'm so glad that he didn't go down that route. I was, I was worried. So, I was really, really worried. I was worried. Oh, thank goodness. Yep, yep. I was worried about that. So, but uh, man, I don't know. I don't know. There's things to like, but there's also an equal number of things that I don't like. I think the the performances from Moss and Watterson sort of sort of carry it for you. That you're able to get through some of the some of the well, at least for me to get some of the, through some of the issues that I have with this. It's interesting. I'm just glancing over my letterbox list this week and i've seen three movies that involve people descending into madness (laughs) (laughs) maybe maybe that uh tainted my feeling about this a little bit it definitely could have because it is one of those things that it's just a bit much isn't it yeah man i I mean that was big in the what 60s 70s Mm -hmm. kind of making a comeback kind of the existential crisis type deal but then just sort of tipping over the edge. I'm okay with it as long as it brings something to the table, you know? Yeah. Uh, I, I believe that strong performances alone in that type of role are not enough well, to carry it at this point. Yeah. And I think that the, a lot of times that's that's sort of the excuse for that narrative is it really gives that person, whoever's playing that character, really gives them the ability, like a showcase to shine. Yeah. Because you get to kind of play so many like a wide range of emotions and stuff also if if we're gonna see a movie like this i just and this is just personal preference i always prefer to see this in a comedy setting you know like uh like blue jasmine gotcha i know it is interesting that it's doesn't it always seem like it's predominantly women that are going into yes yeah, yeah usually usually <laughs> which and then they're usually directed by men so that's a little Gives you a little insight there of yeah. how men see women, but I did enjoy, I did enjoy uh, yeah Waterston reading like Zimmerman's books. Mm-hmm. I like that little, little nod. The little, but yeah. it, it was a bit too cute that he, that she's reading Madness and Women. Yeah, exactly. So that was a bit I, much. Yeah. As soon as I saw that, I was like, oh, "All right." <laughs> but we already fucking know, Perry. Come on. I, I like it. I like the, the, the little threads, the little connecting threads that he puts into into his well, movies. Well, then the other thing is, because of that, you know, so on the nose with the madness of women, they made me think about the hers potato chips. I'm like, did he pick hers because it's two women? Oh, that God. Hers? Because no. I really hope that he didn't do that. No, that, there's, uh, that would be pretty <laughs> Unless egregious. he did it as a stupid joke. I don't know. Did. I don't know, but <laughs> I hope he didn't. She, there was a, she. She ate a lot of hers. Oh yeah, there was like there's just nothing. But I, I don't know where he like even entire diet. Yeah, it's probably she, why she went crazy. Maybe she, that was one of those lake towns, you know, lake house towns where there's one little general store that's five miles away. 
and that's all you can get. And they all, all they really have is Funyuns and pork rinds and Hers potato chips. Single single serving Hers bags. <laughs> Which I couldn't. Have, I mean, that sounds like a nightmare. I've been the only being able to eat Hers potato chips. Ugh. Yeah, I'm not a fan of Hers potato chips. No, fuck, her, fuck Hers. I'm definitely more of an Uts or Martin's. You got you got to go Uts or Martin's. Come on. Definitely. All right, let's go ahead and uh, give this movie a score. I will say, hmm, this is a toughie. Tough one. I'm I'm leaning. I'm somewhere between a seven and a seven and a half on this right now. Uh, I'll say seven and a half. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go seven. Go seven. There you have it. Queen of Earth in Select Cities this coming weekend, and apparently on VOD Wednesday. I wasn't aware of that. Hooking you up. All right, let's go ahead and jump into our next movie, talking about Slow Learners. This is directed by Darn Argett and Sheena M. Joyce. This stars... Pull it up here. Who's a star? Adam Pally and uh, Sarah Burns. That's the name. Sarah Burns. I have a synopsis here. Jeff and Ann, two close friends and co-workers, are embarrassingly unlucky at love. They hatch a plan to transform themselves over the course of a sex and alcohol-fueled summer. This opened in limited release in VOD August 19th, so you can check this out right now. It's available on YouTube and Google Play and several other streaming. It's not on Amazon. Oh, wait, no, it is on Amazon. Sorry. You can see it on Amazon Instant Video. It was one of those deals where I searched for it on Amazon and it didn't show up. Oh, don't you love that about <laughs> Amazon? Like, Amazon, seriously, figure it the fuck out. And it's like, I, I type like, in I don't slow know how learners. Many prom- yeah, you type in the exact wording of the title, doesn't show up. I don't know how many times that's happened. Because I knew it was out. I knew that it was out and I typed in slow learners and slow learners movie and it still didn't show up. So then I did just a Google search for slow learners. And then over on the right side, it shows where it's available. And I saw yeah. that it was on YouTube and I was like, screw it. I'll just rent it on YouTube. Anyway, slow learners. Uh, I'll start this one off. I really liked the, the first act of this movie before they made their, their transition into the, uh, the badasses. Yeah. I thought that this was probably, I would say borderline hilarious. I would compare this to Trainwreck. I know you haven't seen Trainwreck, uh, yeah. but those of you that have, I would compare it to Trainwreck, only I laughed a lot more for this movie than Trainwreck. There's the, a lot of good uh, just discussions. Yeah, a just lot of quotables. discussions. A lot of quotables in this. And the reason that I say that I liked the first act a lot more is because I just thought it was funnier. I thought that it was way funnier before they transitioned into their the, the badass version of themselves yeah and just yeah. like the the first scene at the book club with uh <laughs> with bobby moynihan and just all of that stuff i thought that the, the characters adam pally was hilarious in this yeah him him bobby moynihan and uh gil ozeri those those three guys in their book club especially just moynihan and ozeri together because of the later scene when they're in the hallway oh yeah and they're just hanging out in the hallway. Yeah, I could just I could watch those two guys just talk rickless. Or was yep. it rickless? Rickless. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh god. 
uh, the opening scene of the movie when he's on the date with the woman. I knew, yeah, and she's describing. Oh, you know, because he just finally, you know, he can see that this is going nowhere, and she yeah. doesn't really do a good job of trying to get out of that date. And he just, you know, be honest with me. Just let me know what's wrong. And the fact that they just keep the camera on him as she's saying. Yep. And he has that. And you're just kind of, damn, that's like spot on. Especially how she's saying that you smelled something. Yeah. (laughs) Because he looks exactly like that. She said, you look like you're apologizing for your existence. (laughs) And then I, I don't know if this was actually, was it actually in the movie or was it part of the, the end credits? Where she was saying that, like, when he responds, that it's, like, a question. Oh, yeah. I think that was in the end credits. Everything was spot on with the description of him. Oh, it was so funny. I was just... And what a way to start off a movie like that. Because I was rolling within the first five minutes. Well, then even Adam Pally's, um his character when he stops over at his parents' house. Yeah, that was... It's just <laughs> the disgusting that they have. I'll go get the balloons a quarter of a month from now. There's just so many good discussions and throwaway lines and stuff. Everything's great. Pacing's great. But then, like you said, you know, when it gets into this, you know, he turns into like an Ed Hardy type. Yeah. She turns into, you know, like a slutty bad girl, whatever. Mm-hmm. It just all kind of falls apart. Yep. Yep. It's unfortunate, too, because it starts off so strong. Yeah. And it just, I don't know, the comedy, at least for me, the comedy just started to dip. And it, I mean, it, it recovers a little bit, but... Yeah, there's still there's still some stuff here and there, but yeah, it really, the quality really sinks. Because it's, it's all kind of cliched. Yeah, of course. I mean, you like know... He just, he just turns into a super huge douchebag, mm-hmm. and for some reason he starts getting chicks like crazy. Yeah, hell yeah. Which, I don't, I don't know, just didn't work for me. There were there were a couple things. I liked the the scene when they first kind of met each other after they'd been apart for like a month, and they met in the bar. And she kept chewing on the stuff. He goes, "Why are you chewing on all that weird shit?" <laughs> uh, I did like his comment about darts when yeah. he got into the fight. <laughs> uh, you know, but yeah, it's just really so unfortunate. Yeah, it really is. I mean, because this is a movie where it's a rom-com. You know exactly where it's going to go before the movie even starts. Yeah. You, you, two, you, yeah. Two friends, two friends trying to date and meet other people. I mean, you know exactly how it's going to turn out. Yeah, I mean, you, come can on. Map, you can map this shit out just by looking at the poster. And I'm, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that in these types of movies because... It can really only go one of two ways. They either get together at the end or they don't, you know? And the whole point of this movie was that they were trying to be people that they weren't and they turned into assholes Mm -hmm. when their, their right match was in front of them the whole time. And so that's fine. I'm okay with that. It's just that the, the big problem, like we said, the comedy just drops. It just drops off after they turn into these terrible people. For the most part, it drops off. I mean, like we said before, there's bits and pieces. Yeah, there's in there. a couple of throwaway lines, and like I said, that uh, when they're trying, when they're waiting around for the book club in the hall, Ozarian Moynihan. <laughs> I love but, how he, he puts the 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 photo under the door, and then the other one does it. 
Does it again? <laughs> and I don't know why, but just the the sound of Azari's voice just made me laugh. Yeah. Yep. But, Overall, though, I was I was pretty pleased with this movie. I thought it was pretty funny. I thought that for me, Adam Pally knocked it out of the park as far as his character. I thought that he was the funnier of the two, but Sarah Burns did a great job too. Yeah, she was good. Uh yeah. I mean, for the most part, it did its job. I mean, it entertained me, made me laugh. Again, I, I will say, I, you know, I didn't. Uh, I'm not looking back on that hour and a half and wishing Jesus Christ give it back to me please it, it was less generic than several of the other romantic comedy indie indie comedies that we've seen in recent weeks yeah well well and the other thing I noticed too is do you think that this is going to be a new thing where uh Kate Flannery is going to play nothing but principles, principles yeah for the rest of her life <laughs> yeah. She's the per- she's the perfect principal character. I know. That's unfortunate for her. I mean, she does a great job of it though. Oh yeah, she's, she's funny. Kind of that's probably part of the problem cuz now you know, probably now when you're casting a movie and you're like, who should we get to play the principal? Yeah, who do we need it's to get the like a first funny name principal. thrown out there? Yeah, exactly. Hey, whatever works. The other thing is, is do you think that because I've been I've been waiting for this and I've been wondering when it's going to happen and it finally showed up in Slow Learners is how often we're going to see jokes about vaping. Oh yeah, it's. Do you it's, think Do you think that's going to be the new improv? Yeah, because because vaping has a there's a stigma to it. There's unfortunately it's people look at it as a douchey thing. You know, people are douchey that that uh, vape. So it's only a matter of time. There was uh there was a couple. That, that movie, The Mend, I think, has vaping in it, and there's uh, True Detective it's, has some vaping in it, and they talked about it, the new season of True Detective. It's it's upon us. It's going to, yeah, we're going to see more of it, I'm sure. And no, there's always going to be a negative jokes. connotation to it, which is unfortunate, because... It's just going to be one of those those types of things where, you know, it's it's a low-hanging fruit. Yeah. Like, kind of like I said, with the improv... There's always jokes about improv and haha uh, improv. Taking improv classes. Yeah, I I think we'll see more of that, which is it's unfortunate because I I do vape and I use that as a tool to quit smoking cigarettes. So you know I I, I don't mind when they make fun of it because the what he was doing in that movie. I would make fun of somebody that did that. Oh, you know? yeah. I would hope anyone would make fun of Because it's so. ridiculous. <laughs> oh, jeez. But, like, yeah. I, did, I didn't mind it. I thought it was kind of funny. Especially how they did it in slow motion with him trying to look all cool with this fucking blue light <laughs> coming on. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Overall, I would say it is worth a look. I think it's worth a rental for sure. I actually liked it more than Trainwreck. I'll say that. There you go. I haven't seen Trainwreck, but I can venture a guess that I I probably would like it more than Trainwreck. Well, like Just I said, because I know how long and bloated Trainwreck yeah. is going to be. <laughs> yeah, but see, th- see, it's interesting though because I I don't know this for sure, but I'm assuming that there was a lot of improv in this movie. There was a lot of ad libbed lines and you can always kind of spot those, you know, where they, it's always the setup. Like you look like a blah blah blah. And it, they rattle off things. Yeah, you can, just, you can always tell true. that they're, these are like off-the-cuff things. And it's that's similar to what they do in Apatow movies. 
so I, I do see similarities between this and like an Apatow movie. Yeah. But I just laughed more. I I thought Trainwreck was funny, don't get me wrong, but for some reason with a lot of the recent Apatow movies and even the the Seth Rogen Evan Goldberg movies, I find them funny, but they don't make me laugh out loud. Yeah. Kind of like a they're clever. Yeah, they're, they're enjoyable, not, they're, they're not, entertaining. They're not outright humorous. Exactly. <clears throat> so, you know, this one did. I was laughing very, very hard at a lot of this. So, if yeah, you want to laugh. I, I burst into a series of chuckles with Moyne, <laughs> with Moyne and Rosaria when they were in the hall. <laughs> I could watch that again right Oh, the, uh, the fact that his name is Lenny, too. <laughs> that whole conversation. <laughs> And the way they kind of pointed out too. It's like, well, I think it's more the way you say it. Oh, that was. Uh, and how he he explains the the reasoning behind wearing socks with sandals. Oh yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> oh goodness. That that was really funny. <sighs> All right, slow learners. What are you going to give this bad boy out of ten? I'll give it like a six and a half. Six and a half. I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and uh, I'll give it a seven. I'll give it a seven, just for that first act. I just thought that was, and his parents were great. The the his mom was the uh, the weird daughter from Thirty Rock. Did you? Weird daughter. Yeah, remember when when NBC got taken over by that other company, and the, oh. the owner of that other company had that strange daughter. She never talked, but she That's just did a lot of weird okay. stuff. I know that I recognized her from somewhere. Yep. That was her. And I always forget the guy's name who plays his dad, but I love him in everything. I know. When you, where the hell? Who is he? He's in, he's in a lot of stuff. I've been seeing him for years, and I love everything that he's in. Evan Dunn. Well, there was also Dead Tooth. Yeah, Dead later, Tooth. Which I feel bad, but I was just always going to refer to her as Dead Tooth. <laughs> well, and I, which I felt bad because the, like, the whole movie, well, it was just two people. Because... When Kate Flannery shows, I'm just like, oh, Meredith. Mm-hmm. And then they, you know, they show the other woman. I'm like, oh, Dead Tooth. Yep. Which is pretty much how I'm going to. Oh, True Detective. That's right. Kevin Dunn was True Detective. Mm. He was the he was their uh, superior in the first season. Oh yeah. And uh, Reed Scott is in this too. He plays Max, the neighbor, and he's kind of like the the playboy neighbor, ladies' man, and he's from. Veep, if you watch Veep, and he's really funny in Veep too. Oh yeah, that's right. All sorts of people. I don't know who they are. And now yeah. you're letting me know. I'm learning. There that's you what go. this show's all about. It's and, all about education. You know, Dead Tooth is Jason Reitman's sister. <laughs> should Catherine, we like what? Okay. Catherine Reitman? I was, gonna, I was gonna say maybe we should like call her by a different name. Yeah, I did not know that. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah, she is. Uh, I don't know if she still does, but she had a, her own little show on YouTube where she talked about movies and stuff. I don't, know if I don't know if she still does that or not. But all right, so you're giving Slow Learners a six and a half. Lock uh, me in at a six and a half. I don't know Plug if I, said, I don't know if I said my score or not, but I'm gonna give it a seven. Oh yeah, I did pop, say that. Sorry. Pop that in the uh, pop that into your computer there. Uh, no, I'm not, I don't. I don't record your scores. Huh. Fine. Whatever. I don't. I don't. I actually don't record my scores either, except on Letterbox. So you can check that out. So little learners available now. Check it out. Definitely uh, worth worth a look if you're looking for a nice, fun, light comedy. Worth a look. Get on it. 
All right, let's talk about some of what we've been watching. Uh, I think I don't remember if we started with you or we, me last we week. Started with me last week, so start it off. All right, I saw the final or sorry, final girl. Now, last week when we when I talked about this movie when we were going over our our v, the VOD list, I mentioned this and I said, "Oh, I kind of want to see that. Uh-huh. It looks good." I was uh-huh. wrong uh, because there's another horror movie coming out called The Final Girls. Okay. Oh, I see what they did there. This movie is called Final Girl Singular. Oh, they, they tricked you. <laughs> so so I, I go and I watch. Is this an asylum knockoff? No, it's is that not. What it's, uh-huh. I kind of wish it was, actually. It might have been more fun to watch. Uh, so this movie, Final Girl, stars Abigail Breslin. I like the way that you say Breslin. Mm-hmm. I, like, I like saying it that way for some reason. Uh, I don't know. This it sounds like you got like a, a, a bout of indigestion. Like yeah, it's like through. it's like I'm bloated, bloated. <laughs> oh, jeez. That was my, that was my favorite John Waters bit when he talks about the the Baltimore people walking down the street and he overhears them talking about how she's bloated. <laughs> I'm bloated. So oh, the God. so final girl stars Abigail Breslin as this young girl who gets trained by Wes Bentley who's uh who works for I don't know if he works for the government or some organization that trains killers and he trains her from the time that she's a little girl to be a killer for some reason they never okay. explain it it's never explained so what are, this is Hannah is that what you're talking <laughs> no it is a, it is a far cry from <laughs> Hannah trust me so the movie I think takes place in the fifties or sixties. However, it's that's never discussed either. The time period. Everybody wears suits, and all, some of it takes place in this diner that looks very old. They all drive very old cars. Uh, all the girls in it wear, you know, the dresses that are of that time. But I, I don't know because there's a scene early on that takes place in a bar and there is clearly behind the bar a computer set up, a POS system yeah. set up. And it's not like, oh, it just it's snuck into the, the frame or whatever. It is prominently there. So if it's supposed to be more of a period piece, they failed because it looks POS right there. Uh, so ba- basically what happens is that the final test that Wes Bentley is giving her is that she has to dispatch of these guys who find it fun to pick up girls and put them out in the woods and hunt them and kill them. Okay. So she sets herself up to be caught by these guys and hunted. But as it turns out, she's the killer. Oh shit. The hunted becomes the, or the hunter becomes the haunted. So she doses them with this kind of, Sodium pentothal and LSD or something to to make them hallucinate. And it turns out that they hallucinate what their greatest fear is. It's basically fear toxin. She doses them with fear toxin. Oh, shit. So it's like scarecrow mixed with... Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. So so most of the movie takes place in the forest and running through the forest. And the lighting of this movie is some of the most ridiculous horrific lighting i have ever seen it just looks like there's spotlights everywhere (laughs) there's no rhyme or reason 
I don't know if it was meant to make it look stylish, but it just fails. It is so bad. <laughs> I kind of want you to see this movie just so you can witness how horrific. The, actually, you could probably see it in the trailer. I bet that you could see it in the trailer. Uh, one of the other guys also says this one line where he catches up with her and he goes, why are my friends tripping their balls off? And with a line like that, I was like, how is this supposed to be in the 60s or the 50s even? With a line like that. Yeah, it's man. terrible. Yeah. It is a terrible movie. I cannot recommend it. Don't be like me and get it mixed up with The Final Girls, which is coming out, I think, in October, which actually does look interesting. Avoid Final Girl. It is bad. Abigail Breslin, sorry. She's not good in this. She, I, I don't think she's that good in a lot of things, to yeah. be honest. Yeah, I agree, actually. Oh, I see that lighting. Oh yeah, you see that? I see that lighter. Uh I would I would show the trailer on the on the live stream here, but unfortunately the reason that we're doing it the way we are is because we've been pretty what? much pretty much any time you show clips from a movie you get flagged for copyright. So <laughs> they're just in a couch in the woods. Yeah. Yep. And he pulls out like a wooden coin that says die <laughs> so that's yeah so so that's their uh truth or dare game that they play and you oh, have to God. pull something out of a bag and it's, ugh, it's so stupid and i take it they all just say die i think the, the one of them says get tied up i just i don't understand how you could if you have a guy wes bentley who works for whoever and he trains her from a very young age to be a killer and then her task is to take out like a group of teenage boys wouldn't she just annihilate them yeah because they're teenage boys yeah. that have no experience that was one of the that. yes that was one of the big questions i had early on because at first it's like okay i get it she's playing along with them she's toying with them but at some point she lets she herself just, she lets herself get tied up first of all and at that point it'd be like okay why doesn't she just kill them all right now just kill them yeah, so, why do you have to put? Why do you have to play the game? I mean, I obviously it's so we can have the movie, but just kill them before you even do the game. Just yeah, it's uh, this this movie is a please avoid it. This will be it's, one of the worst of the year for me for sure. Ooh, oh, that's not good. Uh, I saw one that uh, slightly disappointed me, and it's mostly just based on who the director is, <clears throat> which is uh, Maurice Paila. And this is We Won't Grow Old Together from 1972. This is his second film. It's based on a novel that he wrote. And essentially what it is, is uh, it's essentially autobiographical to a certain extent. And there's the main character is a film director. And he's, he's married, has been, still is. But he's currently in a relationship with his mistress for six years. It's kind of coming to a close. And then the entire film is which is close to like two hours, which is, it's very episodic, just keeps jumping around. You never know when it is. And actually at the very beginning, it's kind of difficult to tell who this woman is. You're not necessarily sure of what's going on. You know, is it a mistress? Is it his wife? What, what, what is it? But what it is for essentially two hours is them breaking up, getting back together, breaking up, getting back together, breaking up, getting back together. Just over and over again. That sounds like a lark. Yeah. And uh, they're, 
his character is just pretty much an all-around terrible, terrible person. Just a complete asshole um, with ridiculous mutton chops. He's got the biggest mutton chops. I mean, they're glorious. Yeah, I mean, you got to see these mutton chops. But, uh, I mean, they do a good job performance-wise. Um, they're they're kind of the reason they keep you kind of riveted throughout, if you wouldn't. I mean, I'm kind of being generous with that term. Because the like the cinematography and everything else of this movie just it didn't work for me. There's just nothing. There's just nothing there to hold your interest. And you you know once you go through like one breakup, reconciliation, and then another breakup, you're like okay, I get it. But then we just keep going and going and going and over and over and over again. It's like yeah, yeah, I get it. I get it. Can we do something else now? And I understand like the repetition is kind of the idea of what he's trying to discuss here but it's just as a viewing experience just did not work for me really hmm. i'm sure it's probably a good novel i think that it would work in in a novel form mm-hmm. but as a film it just doesn't work for me and i'm trying and i tried to read because i got this on the uh the eureka masters of cinema series dvds um okay. and it's a it's a great dvd and, you know, it comes with, because they're kind of like Criterion and it comes with the essays and everything. So I just, I'm not into it at all. Can't get into it. When I get to the end, I'm just like, wow, that was kind of like a, it's kind of like a manila folder, kind of like a nothing of a film. So I'm going to read these essays and see if that gives me some insight into, you know, maybe it'll help me out a little bit. Give me some backstory, something, context. I don't know. They didn't help at all. And they, like as I'm reading it, and you know I'm reading, reading, and reading, and I'm thinking, like, what you're writing about, like, what does this shit even mean? Like, you're just kind of describing the film. You're just describing scenes from the film to me, and you're not saying anything critical, really. Just I didn't understand the point of them. They didn't help. They didn't help at all. That actually makes me think of something. Have there ever been movies that you've seen where after you see it, you're like? Either you didn't like it, or you're just like, oh, it was okay, or maybe you did like it, but then later you read an interview with the director, or an essay, or something like that, where it made you appreciate the movie more, where you're just like, oh, wow, okay. Yeah, I, I mean, that happens now. That happens quite often with me, especially with movies from like the 50s, 60s, 70s, because I'm, you know, I'm so far removed from when the movie came out that, you know you're missing a lot when you're watching movies from them. Like you have no idea of like uh, the context of when the movie came out, what was the, you know, what was the pulse of whatever nation that it was made in, you know, mm-hmm. what was happening, the political climate, those types of things. You have no idea what was going on outside of like, okay, the, like Vietnam was happening at this yeah. point in time, or, you know, this is right after world war two. Okay. I mean, but that doesn't really help you that much. Yeah. I was just thinking of uh, when I saw Ex Machina, and I, I like afterwards I liked the movie, and then I saw that Q and A with Alex Garland, and when he was kind of describing everything about like what he was going for and the themes that he was playing with and stuff, I was just like, holy shit! Like I kind of have a better appreciation for this movie now because of that. Gotcha, gotcha. I really only usually I only really seem to do that with old movies. And it's mostly only because I have it right there. You know, I, I have the DVD booklet. Right, right. And I'm like, well, I guess I get my money's worth. Might as well read these. And also also with older movies, too, learning about how they actually shot certain scenes and stuff like that. Yeah, and impressive. I mean, most, most of this movie is just 
the the two leads having conversations with each other in a in a car and you know you have the camera shooting through the windshield and it's just them pretty much all their discussions take place in cars mm-hmm. which is kind of the, you know the show the stagnation of the relationship and everything which okay i mean it, it works it's good like the thematic execution is on point i understand why all the decisions that you're making it's just it just doesn't work it's not that it's not that compelling really all right so that's we won't grow old together. Sounds like uh, not really a recommend from you. It's like a, eh, I'm like middle of the road on that. Okay. One that I give a light recommend to is the boy. Uh, so this is, I think that it came out. Did it come out on VOD this weekend? I think it did. It came out in Select Cities last weekend, I believe. So this is a, it's a horror film featuring Rain Wilson, another oh, okay. office, another office reference. And it's it's kind of about a a young boy who he's nine years old and turns out that he's a sociopath. And it's kind of him descending into the the role of a psychopath. So it's like a, a coming of age film. It is. It is but so- he's he becomes of age as a psychopath. Yeah, sort of. That's I, an interesting premise. A lot of a lot of people rightly compare this to uh, Psycho because the the entire movie takes place in this rundown hotel, uh, motel out in the middle of nowhere in the desert, and his dad runs the hotel or motel. I keep saying hotel, and a lot of the movie is just him kind of exploring and playing, and then things start to escalate. He starts killing animals, and by that point, you know. Things, things are not good, and I don't think that this is a spoiler or anything. He causes a car accident. What he does is he puts a bunch of garbage and, and animal feed in the middle of the road so that okay. he lures a deer out into the middle of the road and then watches, and Rain Wilson is driving a car that hits the deer, and he gets in an accident. So he ends up, because he totals his car, so he ends up having to stay at the motel for a little while. And there's a whole kind of side plot that happens there. And I really wish that they developed that more. Because what, what happens with him and his character, it just kind of ends abruptly. And I know okay. that it was deliberate the way that they did it. But uh, I just I kind of wanted a little bit more with his character. Because he plays a very interesting character. And this gotcha. is not definitely not a comedic role for Rain Wilson. Okay. The... It's an interesting, it's a very interesting movie. I, I definitely recommend it. The ending was a little bit, it, this is a very slow burn horror movie. This is a slow burn. So if you appreciate those, those types of horror movies, give it a look. For me, the ending was a little bit meh. It was not great <clears throat> for me. I guess the payoff just wasn't, I mean, it was a, it was a pretty big ending. It, it was something terrible happens, but I don't know. I guess I just wanted a little bit more with it. A little more. I still recommend it though. It's called the boy should be on VOD right now. Uh, probably it, this probably will go in my top 10 horror movies of the year. Oh, okay. Okay. Uh, I checked out a uh, criterion Dillinger is dead from 1969. Marco Ferrari. And this is an interesting movie. I, it's been a while since this type of thing happened to me where through much of the film 
you know, I'm going to say like three-fourths of it. I just wasn't into it. I just wasn't feeling it. I just, I want this thing to end. I want to move on with my life. Let's get this over with. And then something happens, which just put everything into place. I, you know, the entire series of images that precede what happens just all kind of fell into place and just made everything instantly better, which doesn't happen quite often. And the entire time, because what this movie is, is uh, Michelle Piccoli, the great Piccoli, plays a guy, comes home from work. He's a, he's a, he's a designer. He designs gas masks. So he comes home from work. His wife is in bed with a like a migraine headache type deal. There's food on the table downstairs for him. He doesn't want to have it. Doesn't look appetizing to him. So he decides to cook himself a meal. And essentially the movie is just this entire night of just him running around the house doing stuff. He's cooking dinner. He's watching TV. He's drinking wine. He's talking with the maid. He seduces the maid. And one of the things is, is that while he's looking for like utensils, kitchenware type stuff, he finds a, a gun wrapped up in a newspaper. So he spends a lot of time. It's an old timey gun. It spends time, disassembles it, <clears throat> puts it together and everything, cleans it up, paints it red, puts little polka dots all over it. And uh, so it's really tedious and monotonous for much of the runtime. You know, it's just this guy running around the house, just trying to keep himself entertained. Hmm. It's just, you know, it's a bored guy with a gun, bored, bored guy with a gun, which it's the entire time. I couldn't help but compare it to Gene Dealman mm-hmm. and Mockerman because mm-hmm. it's kind of the same thing. But, you know, hers is over a couple of days and it's really structured, very regimented. Camera's always still, you know, where here it's just kind of frantic all over the place. Which then, of course, makes me think of myself compared to my wife because she's really regimented and mm-hmm. I'm just a mess, scatterbrained, ADHD type thing. So it's one of those movies that you really, you, you got to hang in there because the payoff, the payoff is going to get you and it's going to, it's going to put everything into place for you. I'm actually interested in this. This looks yeah, interesting when, to me. Much of the time you're just like, what, what are we trying to say? What is the point of this? You know, because, you, you know, you kind of make points at the beginning with him at the gas mask factory type thing. And they're discussing gas masks and stuff. And some of the stuff that they say, the dialogue in the beginning, you're like, okay, so this this has to do with something. But then when you're watching them, you know, for the next like hour or so, you're just like, what does any of this have to tie in? Wait, what are we doing? What's the point of this? Mm-hmm. And then finally something happens and it kind of kind of comes together for you. It's different, man. I, there's not a lot of films that I can think of that are like this. Interesting. How did you see this one? I saw this on Hulu Plus. Okay. So it's on uh, the Criterion Selection on Hulu Plus. Dillinger is dead. I think I'm going to have to check that one out. I, I, saw, I, I recommend it. I saw another horror movie that involves children, and that's Goodnight Mommy. Oh, this is uh, an Austrian horror film. It's not out yet. comes out September 11th. Uh, however, I don't think that I'm under embargo, so let's roll the dice and talk about it. Uh, this is a this is a really interesting one. It so it's about two twin boys that are they live kind of kind of out in the middle of nowhere. Super nice house. Their mom is uh, she's a TV star and she's somewhat famous, so they're they're fairly wealthy. 
there is an accident and she comes back from the hospital after getting surgery and recovering and she her face is all bandaged up and the the two brothers start to believe that maybe this isn't their mom maybe that this is an imposter someone else has has infiltrated their home and is pretending to be their mom so for the most part i liked it uh it it goes there there's some tropes in this it it falls for some tropes that actually kind of work for me and normally the, the specific trope that they use i think is completely played out and no longer want anything to do with however for some reason it just this it worked for me and this is a very again this is a slow burn movie very creepy kind of atmospheric and it definitely goes places that i did not expect it is unsettling at times uh it uh i'm trying to tiptoe around a lot of things because i don't want to give too much away these cockroaches yeah these cockroaches they're all eating cockroach yeah, there are a lot of cockroaches. And then in it looks like cockroaches come out of someone's stomach. They have a they have a cockroach tank. Why they, they keep cockroaches as pets? Like a Why? lot of cockroaches. Why though? I have no idea. Like, who would ever do that? That's just their thing. That's just what these kids do. They're kind of these, messed up. These Not kids are lie. terrible. These, these kids are kind of messed up. So the, throughout the whole movie, you're just kind of wondering. Where is this going to go? Is this really their mom? Is it an imposter? If it is an imposter, who is it? What's her goal? What's she doing? And how's this all going to play out? One thing that you can be certain of is that it it does not end well. And uh, that's something that you can pretty much assume from the beginning. But yeah, I mean, it's a horror movie. Yeah. It'd be funny if it just it was like a happy ending. <laughs> <laughs> it turned out it was, the, it was their mom. and She's just a wonderful person. Yeah, great. I, I recommend it. I think that it looks gorgeous. A lot of people are comparing it to Haneke, which I I can see that. Yeah, even from the trailer, it kind of has that one. Well, isn't it uh, produced by York Seidel? Yeah, I, I believe I it, it is. is. I believe it is. Yeah, I think it is. So it when has this, that, you know, clean clinical feel to it. Yes, it does. Very, very much so. A lot of static shots set up in rooms the the house that they live in is is like it's kind of it's very clean it's very minimalist immaculately set up not a lot of clutter and stuff like that so i do recommend this one again it comes out september 11th so check it out i i think that it's hitting vod around that time but when it when it does i i absolutely recommend it, it this will certainly go on my top 10 horror movies of the year as well so nice. good night mommy Keep a lookout for it. Add it to your watch list. Just add it on there, man. Mm-hmm. Get it on there. Uh, I watched. I did a rewatch. You know how hot it is for me to do a rewatch. Probably. Don't do it often. Don't I, I hardly often. ever at this at this point. I never rewatch things. Hardly ever. I, I rarely ever rewatch something. But uh, recently, sabbatical was. Uh, you can watch that on Vimeo now for free. Mm. Oh yeah, I saw that. I saw so, a tweet about that. Yeah, popped up on there, and I thought, you know what? I'm going to do a rewatch of that. I quite enjoyed that. I want to see, because it's one of those movies that, you know, back when we talked about it, I was, what, I think like a seven and a half, and I was kind of like, yeah, this is pretty good. I enjoy this. But it's one of those that, like, really, really grew with me over time. Like, it stuck with me for a long time. It was on your mid-year top ten, right? 
Yeah, and yeah. and that's mostly what like initially I wasn't that I wasn't that big on it. Mm-hmm. But it's one of those that over time it just stuck with me and it kind of grew with me. So then that was kind of the thing that I wanted to check out here is was that just because I was detached from the viewing experience? Right. And yeah. I was able to think it and you know kind of build it up in my own mind, making it better than what I, how I actually remembered it. So go back, revisit it, see how I like it. Yeah, I liked it even more second time around. Nice. So. I actually did the same thing with um, Mad Max Fury Road because that's available on VOD right now. Oh shit! So I wanted to get I wanted to get like the the highest definition possible, super HD ultra version. Oh, see what it, see what it looked like in a home environment. And yeah, it wasn't as impressive as a the theater, but I still loved it. So yeah, uh, sabbatical. Check that out. Solid it's Long free. Street. It's free. Oh, Solid Long Street. Kidding me? And it's sad. it's it's a bummer because on looking on and now I know this isn't like the best way to gauge a film, but on Letterbox, I think it's only been viewed by like thirty people. Yeah, it sucks. It's free. It's free. I'll say check, it again. It's free. Check it out on Vimeo. Get it. Sabbatical is the name. Uh, the only other one I saw was American Ultra. Oh, that's unfortunate. Yeah, I gave this a watch. This one didn't work for me. It's uh, it's like the Bourne movies mixed with Pineapple Express. And that just doesn't... It just... As an action film, it didn't work. As a comedy, it didn't work. Because the for me, the, the action was pretty bland. And they... I felt like the shaky cam was a little bit too much in it. And a lot of the action scenes you see in the trailer... I think that there might be one action scene that you don't see pretty much the whole thing in the trailer. And the comedy, I don't know if I... I think I laughed maybe once or twice at a couple of throwaway lines. But the problem is the characters are just boring. They're just boring characters. Jesse Eisenberg and Kristen Stewart, while I like them both as actors, their characters in this movie, just they didn't bring anything to the table. They weren't particularly funny or goofy or or anything there they were just blank slates these characters so i i had really no emotional investment in any of the characters at all i think the most emotive character was topher grace and he was the bad guy <laughs> and because he was like a complete dick the whole time and uh yeah i just mm, no no not into this one not into it is it like, is it because he smokes so much weed well, uh, that he okay. forgot that he's a government agent? No, no, no. He was, like, deactivated. So it was this whole Manchurian candidate type thing going on. But the, that's the other thing that didn't really work. The fact that this is billed as a stoner comedy. It's a weed comedy. But there's not that much weed smoking going on. And I think it's the first scene of the movie. They show Kristen Stewart taking a bong hit, ripping the bong. And oh, yeah. the the smoke that comes out of her mouth is all CG, and it looks so bad. I'm just like, oh no, this is not this is not boding well. Lots of CG blood and violence in this one too, which didn't look great. Yeah, this so, is terrible. Yeah, this is a pass from me. We have a review for this up on the site. I didn't review it. Blake did. He gave it a four out of ten, and I'm actually sitting with him on the on the four spectrum. I do so, like seeing that John Leguizamo is in it. Is he? John is he Leguizamo good? is not good in it. 
not because not because he's bad, but just the character he's playing. He's playing this kind of stereotypical Mexican gangster type person, and he's doing this weird voice the whole time, whereas this thugged out gangster style voice that's kind of like high pitched and you know what he reminded me of actually oh you didn't see ant-man never mind <laughs> you reminded me of michael Payne and ant-man where he's just he's kind of playing a cartoony character gotcha yeah american ultra didn't didn't uh it which is odd because this is the highest reviewed movie of uh, of the weekend and it did the worst out of all of them really yeah which is odd because I did not hear anything good about American Ultra. Well, when we're going to get to that in just a second, but comparing it to the other two that came out, this is probably better. much better. <laughs> what, what were the other ones that came out? Well, let's just go ahead and jump into some predictions then. So, Hitman, Agent 47. I predicted 32. You predicted 26 on this one. Actual 7. Oof. oof. That's a 7. <laughs> And Sinister 2, I said 36, you said 41, actual 12. Wow. Yeah, 12. Mm. American Ultra, I said 62, you said 58, actual 45. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, not not, not a great weekend, honestly. Which, again, let me point out, you could have stayed home and watched Sabbatical for free. Yeah. Unbelievable, people. Next week... This is a really weird week next week because I'm not sure that there's anything wide release coming out. I think there might be one, and that's No Escape, the one with Owen Wilson. Mm. Is this wait? Is next weekend Labor Day weekend? I think that's why, because there's nothing. There's nothing coming out next weekend. So Probably. let's just. I don't know if, if No Escape is getting a wide release, but let's go ahead and predict it anyway. What are you thinking on this one? Have you seen anything about this? No, I have not. No escape. So we got the generic title going. And don't don't get it confused with the classic Ray Liotta film where he's on a prison island. Now this is the one with Lake Bell, Pierce Brosnan, and Owen Wilson. Mm-hmm. Okay. Where they're like Owen Wilson gets transferred in his job to some uh, some some foreign country where there's like a coup that takes place and they get caught up in uh, it. Oh man. You want to get caught up in a coup. Never want to get caught up in a coup. Especially if you're not from that country. What are you thinking on No Escape? Oh, No Escape, I'm thinking 30. I'm going to say 36 on that one. That's really all we have as far as anything remotely big coming out next week. So uh, let's just, for, for the hell of it, predict Queen of Earth since that comes out too. I know it's not getting a wide release, but let's just do it. Just go for it. Queen Let's of Earth. It. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say eighty six on Queen of Earth. Oof. I'm gonna say uh I'm gonna say eighty two. Alright. Next week in limited release we have Turbo Kid. I'm actually really excited for Turbo Kid. I saw Turbo the Kid. now uh what they do with the ABCs of Death movies, what they did with the first two, they had a contest for one of the letters. And people could submit their own shorts, and one of one of those shorts got picked to be in the actual movie. And one of the ones submitted, it didn't win, but what they did was they released all of the um, entries online so that you could watch all of them anyway. And 
one that was it didn't win but it was probably in my opinion the best one was t is for turbo and they actually developed that into a feature length film so we have turbo kid coming out and it's this uh 80s throwback exploitation style horror film it looks amazing it it takes place in like a post-apocalyptic world where this kid runs around on his bmx bike and has to take down like a leader of some gang or something it looks amazing i cannot wait to see it we also have we are your friends which is uh, that might be getting a wide release i'm not sure that's the one with uh uh zach efron about the he's like a dj he's an edm dj oh jesus i'm surprised we haven't been what's what's this called we are your friends we are oh west bentley too Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and west bentley yeah west bentley plays this kind of famous dj who takes zach efron under his wing or something oh shit this guy's forbidden romance in there oh oh boy oh man are you Uh, serious let's see we have zipper zipper with i think patrick wilson isn't that Mm -hmm. yeah i don't know i really actually don't know anything about that Z for Zachariah. That's the uh, post-apocalyptic drama. Which kind of doesn't seem like the the timing on that one's bad. Like they missed their opportunity with this one. I, f- I feel like they did, but I heard good things about it. So I know it's. I mean, same here, but it's like I think they would have been much better if that came out a little bit earlier. It's a. Uh, it's um Craig Zobel, right? Mm-hmm. Compliance. Yeah. Margot Robbie, Chris Pine. I'm I'm interested in it. I think it. I mean, I'll check. I'll check it out. Chitwell. Yeah. Hey, you said his name. Yeah. Also have Seven Chinese Brothers, the Jason Schwartzman comedy. Yeah. I'll tell you. Every time I see the trailer, I haven't seen this yet. I'm still sitting on the screener, but the uh, every time I see the trailer for it, I, I just can't control myself. I think it's so funny. The just how weird he is in that movie. You might like. I mean, again, it's one of those things that it, it's kind of funny. Kind of funny. There's I'll, a great bit with between Schwartzman and Alex Ross Perry. I'll be watching fantastic. it. I'll be watching it this week, so we'll we'll see. We'll, we'll Plus, be, just to see all the familiar faces pop up. Actually, we'll probably be reviewing that next week. Oh, okay, so we'll Sounds see. Good. Uh, we also have When Animals Dream, Drown, and Pod, or as I like to call it, POD. POD. <laughs> <laughs> it's good to know I'm not the only one. Yeah. Next week on VOD, we have Digging for Fire. The That's probably the other one we'll end up reviewing. The new Swanberg that's, joint. That's a... Baby Girl. Actually, I don't know too much about that one. Uh, Seven Chinese Brothers, P.O.D. and Zipper. <laughs> is it actually P.O.D. or no, it's it Pod? No, it's Pod. Okay. But when I see it, I think P.O.D. I know, but you keep throwing me like, oh, now there actually is another movie called P.O.D. <laughs> Next week on Blu-ray... Got a number of decent releases here. The Last American Virgin, Student Bodies is coming out. I'm, I don't know. Is that a that might be a Scream Factory release? Looks like it. I'll probably pick that one up. Citizen Four, Big Game. I recommend both of those. Aloha. Ugh, heard that yeah. one was no, no. Thank you. Uh, let's see what else. What else? Jacob's Ladder is getting a Blu-ray release. You never, oh, nice. I never saw that movie. Me either. I saw I parts it's about of it. Time, maybe. But, yeah, could be. Skin Trade featuring Dolph Lundgren and Tony Jaa. Oh, shit. That mm. sounds intense. It sounds like there's going to be some strong acting. It's just, it sounds intense. <laughs> strong acting in that movie. Welcome to New York. 
the Abel Ferrara one that we reviewed a long time ago. Yeah. Looks like Rambo's getting a re-release on Blu-ray. The oh, Rambo shit, series. Nice. First Blood Part 2 and Rambo 3. Oh, snap. Uh, Iris. Let's see what else we got. A bunch of Walking Dead stuff is coming out. The third season. And that's pretty much it. All of it? Pretty much it. Nocturnal Activity. <laughs> Whatever that is. <laughs> What's that mean? I don't know. Stuff happening at night? That's it? I guess. I guess. The World According to Garp is getting a Blu-ray release. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, and Easy Money starring Rodney Dangerfield and Men at Work starring Charlie oh, Sheen and Emilio sh- Estevez. Double feature Blu-ray. Oh my god. Nice. Also Vampire Hunter D is getting a Blu-ray release. I used to love that movie. We have one criterion making its way to all of you. That is two days, one night uh, from the ex- dark deans. But you're excited for that one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, <laughs> honestly, I just, I don't. People love the Dardines, and I just don't know what it is. I don't understand. I thought like, you were all about that movie. No, I didn't like that movie. I wanted to see it because I wanted to give the Dardines another chance, but uh-uh. But, and, and that's I always get sucked in because there's just so much critical praise for the Dardines, and they win you know ridiculous amounts of awards, and everyone just loses their shit about their movies. And it's like, damn, I gotta check this out. And I'm always when I immediately when I'm done with the film, my first thing out of my mouth is, what what the fuck? What what am I missing? Because I I see nothing here that that warrants any type of praise or, and especially not the amount that they get yeah you know yeah it just it it really and then it ticks me off even more that there's so much praise and buzz and press for their stuff when the american indie scene puts out far more interesting films than this and you know nothing just dead silence crickets that is unfortunate it just pisses it pisses me off a little bit I feel like the American indie market is so strong right now. And, and they're doing not... much more. I mean, the work that's coming out between, you know, like sabbatical or stinking heaven movies like that is they're interesting. There's it's something different happening. Wherein the Dardines is just the same thing every time. But as soon as it comes out, they're, oh my God, Dardines, give them all the awards that ever existed. <laughs> Put them out on Criterion. <laughs> Put them out on Criterion. Oh my God. Just like it's a woman that goes around door to door saying, "Give me my job back," and it's cliched as all hell. Like a, all the people that she, her coworkers that she has to talk to. I mean, it's ridiculous. Yeah. Fuck that movie. All right. Well, I think we'll end on that note. Man, what the fuck, the Dardines. <laughs> uh, send us your questions. Podcast at filmpulse.net is the address. Uh, follow us on Twitter at filmpulse.net and at filmpulsekevin. And please take a look at our Patreon page, patreon.com slash filmfalls, and consider subscribing for as little as $1 per month. For Kevin Rakestraw, my name's Adam Patterson, and we will see you on Thursday for Ryan Watches a Movie.